Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about everything real estate for the real estate interested. We're a real estate company of 300 people advising buyers and sellers from first-time condo purchasers to large-scale developers so they can make smart and informed real estate decisions. We made this podcast as a concise and consumable way to share our passion for homes, housing, community, and cities. We hope that this will spark the same curiosity in you that we have for everything real estate. All of the documents and links mentioned in this podcast are available on our website at rennie.com. Hello and Happy New Year, everyone. Very excited to record the first episode of 2021. A little bit of a special episode today. Uh, we're going to focus on how we fared in 2020, um, the way in which we ended the year in December, uh, and then look at our thoughts for the year ahead. I'm Bowen Bean Pawsey, business data analyst here on the Rennie Intelligence team. And sitting across from me is Ryan Berlin, a senior economist and director of intelligence. We're the numbers people. We believe good decisions are made with good data and insights. Therefore, we spend most of our time trying to help our organization, our advisors, and our clients better understand our ever-changing market. Ryan, how was your Christmas break? Hey, Bowen. It was good. It was good. It was it was quiet. Not a lot of social engagements, obviously, but for an introvert like myself, that worked quite well. How about you? Yeah, it was great. Spent some time with the immediate family. Um, definitely a unique Christmas, uh, but maybe not such a unique year for our housing market as we jump in here with key insight number one. Indeed. After a somewhat convulsive journey, 2020 gave the appearance that it was an average year in hindsight and an average in a good way. Right, Ryan? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it definitely didn't start in a way that would have led any of us to believe that, you know, with 2020 in the rearview mirror, that that it would be average in any way. When we say it was an average year, looking at it from a sales perspective, there were 4% more sales, MLS sales in the Vancouver region in 2020 um, than there were over the past 10 years on average. So we were a little bit above the long run average for sales. So in that sense, we were, the year was average. And that is a good thing because when the pandemic hit in early 2020, we saw sales massively plummet. So between March and April, sales fell by 54%. And that's significant because that's the time of year when sales actually typically rise. As we move into spring, the market becomes more active and there are more buyers uh, looking for homes. So, you know, at that point, I think when when sales did fall significantly uh, into April at a time that we're all sort of ramping up, I think we all felt like the prospects were a little bit grim, knowing that I think the worst was ahead of us. The path was really uncertain going forward. What was really interesting was that the following month, so starting in May, sales really started to bounce back. So there wasn't much of a lull uh, in sales activity. We started to see them move back up towards more typical seasonal levels. And then we saw sales levels remain elevated for you know the, 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 the following seven months. It took us through December. And that was despite the pandemic raging on and us going through a second wave. And quite frankly, you know, we're into a third wave at this point. And so through the social restrictions, the limits on listers ability to actually show their home limits on the ability of buyers to go out and survey the homes in person that are available, uh, that they might be interested in despite all of that, despite the, you know, significantly negative impact on employment, the market marched on. By the end of the year, we as a region, so the Vancouver region, which you know goes from Whistler 
up north all the way through Metro Vancouver and into the valley out to Abbotsford. We registered 50,000 home sales for all of 2020. So I already mentioned it was 4% above the past 10-year average. It was 25% higher than 2019. In hindsight, the year looked either average or a little bit better than normal um, when we know it was anything but as we sort of navigated our way through. When we even we, we dig in a little bit deeper into the data and we look at what people were buying, we talk, we've talked about it on this podcast before, that buyers did very clearly throughout last year lean into that detached and townhome segment of the market. People looking for a little bit more space, a little bit more delimitation of that space as well so that they don't have kids crawling on them while they're in meetings or they can at least do their work without their spouse staring right back at them or breathing down their neck. And so, you know, we had, we've reported on that. And in fact, by the end of the year, 62% of sales regionally were in this so-called ground oriented category, right? So that's yep. detached and townhome. And that compares to 58% in 2019. So a four percentage point increase. But when we look at the past decade average of ground oriented sales, that's 63%. Last year was 62%. So again, like a very, a very average year when we sort of take that longer view. And then finally, when we look at that sort of spatial distribution within the region, like where people are buying, there has been a trend over time of more and more transactions occurring south of the Fraser in markets like Surrey and Langley and North Delta. Um, 38% of all sales regionally last year were in those south of Fraser communities. It is up from the past 10-year average of 34%, but it's not significantly different. So it's kind of funny that you know, as we twisted and turned through 2020, um, you know, we ended up in a place that we actually even sort of predicted we would back in March of last year before the pandemic hit. For sure. Yeah. When you were crafting that commentary, um, you know, speaking to how we expect uh, sales in the region in 2020 to surpass 46,000, I don't think you were exactly thinking that we'd weave our way to that, you know, almost 50,000 sales in the way we did this past year. No, no. I, I wish I could say that, that that that's what we forecasted exactly. We didn't forecast the the journey. It was just the destination. We were kind of close in the end. Yeah. So, you know, seeing 50,000, almost 50,000 sales regionally was what yep. was surprising. And, you know, a lot of it did come down to the, the, the nature of the employment impacts that we saw uh, that were associated with the pandemic. It just so happened that the housing market happened to be a little bit shielded from some of those impacts, more so than in than in other more traditional downturns. You know, the fact that we're sitting here today discussing almost 50,000 sales here in 2020 um, would have been quite a bold statement, you know, in the middle of March when restrictions were coming into play and it felt kind of um, like the end of the world in, in a sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we. <clears throat> it would be nice to be sitting here saying that we predicted the journey that we would take through 2020. And the reality is we didn't know what that would look like, but we happened to get close to what the, the full year totals look like for, for sales at least. So, you know, that's really, that, that's our take for the market as a whole for the Vancouver region. But we know from looking at the data that when we dive into the region and look at what's happening spatially, that 2020 actually didn't look that different from previous years either. Yeah, I mean, Surrey uh, composed almost 10,000 of those 50,000 sales. The west side of Vancouver just behind it, at almost 5,000 sales, followed by Langley, Richmond, East Van, and Abbotsford. And when we go back over the past couple of years, that's kind of a consistent top six or seven with the Chilliwack board kind of uh, in there as well. 
You know, it's interesting as you go through that list and I, and I, I think about where those municipalities are located. Yeah. Three out of five, you might argue four out of five, if you include Richmond, they are south of the Fraser, right? So we're yeah. seeing a lot of activity in the more suburban markets. Then that's not something new for 2020, as we know, mm -hmm. as you just stated, that that has been something we've seen over the years. And it sort of speaks to this notion that we need to, you know, get our heads around, you know, what constitutes our market. And our market is is growing outwards, right, to include the communities all the way into the actual Fraser Valley out to Abbotsford. So there's our take on the year as a whole, but let's jump in and see how we ended 2020 in the month of December, with key insight number two being 2020 ended with a bang. Yeah, it sure did. And the way that the year ended made up for the way that it started. It all came out in the wash and translated to an average year. But to achieve that average designation, we needed the last few months of the year to see a lot of activity. And in December, we had over 5,000 residential sales. These were historic months, right? The kind of the closing out the year. These were, yeah, these were the last six months of the year were either all-time highs for the respective month or near all-time highs. December in particular, we crested the 5,000 sale threshold for, I want to say the six month in a, <laughs> six, the six month in a row uh, by the time December rolled around. But in fact, we only had 4,996 sales in August. So I can't technically say that, but I, I want to say we achieved 5,000 sales for the final six months of the year. And so, yeah, we, we did end the year with a bang. Um, I think, you know, and this is something that we have talked about in previous podcasts and reported on in the Rennie Review, that our fall market looked a lot like a typically active spring market. You know, as I said, some all-time highs in there, some near all-time highs. When we compare sales in December specifically, 16% higher than the next highest number of sales we've ever seen in this region. I think that was in 2015. But when I say the highest of all time, we're talking decades and decades. Sales in December were 61% higher than in December of last year and a whopping 82% higher than the past decade average for December. And so this comes on the heels of September sales being 60% higher than the long run average, October sales being 50% higher, November sales being 40% higher. So there was a real surge at the, at the end of the year. And I think what we learned through 2020 is that when people have less to do, they're home more, they find other things to do with their time. One of those things, it turns out, is to search for homes and to buy homes. Um, Make decisions on upsizing, downsizing, leaving the rental market as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you have more time to yourself or with your spouse or with your roommate to contemplate these things and to make decisions. And I also think, you know, the, the, the nature of information gathering has changed. Obviously, you know, consumers would be home buyers, um, have more data, more information at their fingertips than they've ever had before. So, you know, you can conduct a pretty thorough search, home search from your couch and get to the point where you've almost convinced yourself that you want to make an offer somewhere. And I think we, we saw that play out over and over and over um, throughout the year. That momentum that we saw through the end of the year carried into, um, has carried into this month. Um, we are currently on pace in January for over 3,000 sales. So that would be the lowest number that we've seen since the spring, but that's a function of seasonality. People seem to take a little bit of a break after the holidays, pause their home search, sales activity was down in the first week of January, but in the second week it's now picked up. The pace that we're on now for 
sales in January of, of 3,100, while lower than December and preceding months, would be the second most sales that we will have achieved in 20 Januaries, in 20 years. So I think, I think we expect this momentum to spill over into the coming months, at least as we look ahead. So that, that's the sales story for 2020 and, and the end of the year. But I know you've also done some digging into other elements of the market, um, and particularly the supply side. Yeah, I mean, as we noted in our Rennie Advance and Rennie Review, um, there's been 15 straight months of year-over-year declines in inventory. So that supply side is remaining uh, suppressed. That being said, this is for um, overall inventory. And when we actually break it down by home type, uh, it's the ground-oriented segment of the market that's driving these year-over-year declines in inventory. The condo segment has actually seen some year-over-year increases recently, which is causing condo uh, inventory to accumulate. With all this being said, just before we you know hop into any um, sub-areas or areas of the market here, the sales-to-listings ratios are still high for all home types, even for condos. We're looking at a sales-to-listings ratio of 47% for detached, uh, 68% for townhome and 36% for condos. And, uh, you know, with the threshold of a seller's market being 21%, um, you know, these are substantially higher than that kind of baseline. Yeah. So that, that's really interesting. So regionally inventory is down is supply is constrained. Is the story similar no matter where we look within the region? Actually, no. Um, when we look at year-over-year changes in inventory by Greater Vancouver or Fraser Valley areas, what we're seeing is year-over-year increases in the historic core. So the city of Vancouver, city of Burnaby, and New West. So again, uh, overall year-over-year increases in inventory. Whereas in the rest of the areas, uh, give or take a few, we're seeing decreases. So that's interesting because those communities that you just named, the city of Vancouver, Burnaby, and New West, I would imagine would have a a greater share of, of condo listings when you look at the regional picture than they would uh, ground-oriented listings. Yeah, in fact, these areas that make up the historic core account for 47% of condo listings, uh, whereas they only account for 23% of ground-oriented listings in the Vancouver region. So you're looking ahead there, Ryan, when it comes to uh, detached prices and prices for the market overall. But that brings us to our, our next insight, key insight number three, which is that 2021 is poised to be a dynamic year. Yeah, I think there's um, 2021 is going to be different from 2020, I believe. I think our journey through the year will be different. Um, we know that the vaccine is starting to roll out here in Canada, and we probably won't return to uh, what the world looked like before covid uh, in the next few months, that's probably <clears throat> reserved for the end of 2021 or into 2022. But I think there's a number of factors. We talked about them a little bit in last month's podcast that represent tailwinds for our market. I think things that maybe in some way, some, some things that were present in 2020 and help propel the market through the year, some things that were absent in 2020 that we think will reemerge as a significant factor in 2021. I'm actually going to start with something that I don't think is going to be a significant influencer of our market, and that's employment. And I say that because the latest jobs data were just released for December, so to round out 2020. And what it showed is nationally, the employment recovery has stalled somewhat. We're doing a little bit better here in BC and here in Metro Vancouver. Employment in, in Metro Vancouver essentially didn't change between November and December. And if it was a normally functioning market, that wouldn't be good news. But what it does speak to is a little bit 
maybe a little bit more of a resilient economy here, a little bit of a tighter labor market. So our unemployment rate in Metro Vancouver is currently at 7%. Uh, that's lower than the province, which is at 7.2%. Canada's at 8.6%. So these are all, these numbers are way, way down from where we were in the spring, but they're also significantly higher than where they were at the start of 2020. So we're not out of the woods yet. So all that is to say that I think there's a few other factors that really will be influential for our market. The first is immigration. Um, I think by now, most people are aware that the federal government has increased the immigration targets nationally uh, significantly for 2021, 22, and 23. So we're expecting over 400,000 people potentially to come to Canada this year. Last year, we had less than 200,000. So, you know, that's a significant change. And a lot of that will percolate down into our metro areas, into Metro Vancouver. And we could probably use the growth from a, from a job market perspective uh, in particular. Looking at the latest data from for BC as a whole, from Q3, it's, it's, it's the most recent data we have uh, for the province. BC's population actually declined in quarter three. And that was the first time in decades that that's occurred. And it's because we didn't have international migrants. So we had a net loss of international migrants. So it's non-permanent residents, temporary workers, students, as well as immigrants. We just had a, a hugely reduced immigration flow and contrary to popular belief, not a huge number of births. So, you know, that's our context. That's where we're coming from. That's the backdrop. And remember too, that the housing market was functioning quite well, despite that. So I think as you look forward, there is going to be increased demand, people coming from other provinces, from immigrants, from students. You know, we expect that that many students will be back in our post-secondary in institutions uh, come September. So I do think that that migration and immigration specifically will be a tailwind. So we also have something we're calling the untiming of buying. So we know that that COVID has disrupted the normal cadence of, you know, life cycle based buying. That is, in a normal market, people go through various life cycle events like. You know, they move out of their parents' home at a certain age. They, they, they might double up with a roommate or a partner at some point. They might get married. They might have kids. People get divorced. People die, so on and so forth. And there's a natural rhythm to all of this as a population grows and ages over time that leads to, like, somewhat predictable outcomes in the housing market. And I think all that was kind of flipped on its head. So when we talk about the untiming of buying and of demand, we're talking about two things. One is the pent-up demand from early in 2020. So these are people that normally would have bought at a certain point in time, but didn't, and they pushed their decision out. They delayed their decision to purchase. We calculated that there were about 11,000 homes worth of pent-up demand that accumulated in the first six months of 2020. Since then, we think about 8,000 homes have been unpent from that 11,000 homes worth of demand. So we still have about 3,000 homes that didn't transact early in 2020 that we think still will transact in the coming months. The other element, the other side of this untiming of buying is people bringing their purchase decision forward. So these are people who normally would have purchased maybe in six months, a year, two years down the line, but because of COVID that accelerated their decision to move up market, for example. So maybe a townhome was in someone's sight lines COVID hits and you realize, you know what, we could probably use the space now. It'd probably be beneficial now. And that also applies to purchases of detached homes. It also applies to the baby boomer generation who has a lot of their savings tied up in stocks, bonds, who might be looking to move out of those purely financial vehicles 
investment vehicles and into hard assets. And so, you know, we think that some baby boom or some segment of that group is making the early decision to get their kids into the housing market. So by some of that demand being brought forward and other demand being pushed out, it's kind of created a bit of a hump in demand. And I think part of that is driving the market right now. And I think that's going to continue into at least early 2021. But of course, then it will taper off over time as that demand sort of the, the gets ironed out and we move back to normal conditions. And that's something, you know, you've, you and Andy have spoken about quite a bit is the, the bank and the bank of mom and dad effect. Yeah. And I think it's a real one. And I think that the the impacts of it will be seen over the next 20 years or so as that full cohort of baby boomers ages out of the working stage of life and into retirement and into those what we would call higher mortality stages of life. But I do think within that group, which is very large, that there are many decisions being made to accelerate the purchase of real estate uh, in the nearer term. Interest rates are another factor. Obviously, they're at rock bottom uh, levels currently. There's even talk that the Bank of Canada will be conducting a micro cut. Since the Bank of Canada used the overnight interest rate to manage inflation, they've always moved in quarter interest rate increments, nothing less than that. The overnight interest rate right now is a quarter of a percent. So they're a little hesitant to go to zero. So there's talk that they might go down to 0.15 or 0.1, which would be the lowest we've ever seen. So I think short-term rates, interest rates, um, so we're talking variable rate mortgages, interest rates on lines of credit, whatever interest rate you're getting in your savings account, uh, all of those are impacted by the Bank of Canada's overnight rate. That is expected to remain where it is or a little bit lower, at least through 2021. Five-year government bond yields, which impact... uh, fixed mortgage rates of a similar term, um, perhaps will start to creep up uh, as the market normalizes. For example, the BC Real Estate Association currently is forecasting that the average uh, five-year fixed mortgage rate uh, by the end of 2021 will be 2.2%. Currently, it's in around 1.8%. So certainly, that would be an increase but it would still represent some of the lowest rates that we've ever seen. So I think that still will enable a lot of people to get into the market. Finally, we know that since uh, quarter two of last year, since the spring of last year, there was less to spend your money on. And we know that amongst industrialized countries across the globe, Canada actually had the greatest fiscal stimulus as a share of its GDP. So that, that really helped. They moved really quickly and significantly, and that helped to stabilize income, stabilize the economy. So we didn't see you know, these, these uh, structural, negative structural changes to our economy that would have long-lasting impacts. What it's meant, though, is that household savings has accumulated at a rate that we've never seen before. By the end of 2020, we don't have all the data in through December yet, but we have most of it in, and we expect that once those data are in, it's going to show that Canadian households have about $200 billion worth of accumulated savings. And to put that into context... That would completely fuel the trading volume in the Canadian housing market for six months because about $30 billion worth of real estate transacts every month across Canada. So it's a huge amount of money. Of course, not all of it will be deployed into real estate, but some of it will be. Mm -hmm. And just for our listeners' sake, what is the kind of exact definition, excuse me, around savings? Some people take issue with the definition, this being called savings. Yeah. I think the reality is that um, people have less to spend their money on, but the way it's calculated, 
as well as uh, money left over uh, after sort of the day-to-day essentials are paid for. So already some of that $200 billion has been deployed into like household capital projects like uh, painting the house or maybe replacing the shingles or putting a hot tub in, certainly. But there is an elevated amount of money, quite frankly, in Canadian bank accounts uh, that will be deployed you know, over the next year plus. So all of this is to say that we think that the housing market will perform modestly this year. It's likely that we'll see a slight uptick in sales uh, when all is said and done in 2021. You know, I think the price appreciation that we've seen through the latter half of 2020 due to both elevated demand, but also, you know, it's we're not at historic lows for supply, but we're getting close. So, um, you know, we're, what we are seeing is unprecedented seller's markets. Yeah. Right. And we know that, you know, anecdotally or speaking to our advisors, our realtors here at Rennie, that there's just a ton of competition for the available homes that are out there. Certainly, this is not sustainable long term. So I do think that we will see a bit of a moderation in prices. That's not to say a decline in prices, but I think we'll most certainly see a slower increase in prices, not what we saw at the end of 2020. And on the theme of looking ahead, our next episode of the Rennie podcast will focus on the Rennie Outlook, a report we will be publishing by the end of January that outlines our views on the direction of change in a selection of housing, economic and demographic indicators for BC and Metro Vancouver through the end of 2021. In the meantime, find additional intelligence information on rennie.com intelligence, including our latest Rennie review. To receive this information straight to your inbox, simply register for intelligence updates. Ryan, thanks for your insights today. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Bowen. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production. It's recorded on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.